Good morning. My name is Amelia and I'm the River Kids Director here at the River. I'm so glad that you could join us. Today we are going to continue our sermon series, Understanding the Bible Through Jesus, with the story of Saul becoming a king. This story gives me a lot of food for thought as I'm navigating my own ways back into God's story. However, before I begin, I want to share a couple of pictures with you. <clears throat> Several years ago, my family and I went to the cloud forest in Singapore. It is a dome conservatory featuring over 100 feet high artificial waterfalls and mountains, covered in lush plants and vegetation. It has a long winding platform that gives us the aerial view of the entire garden. It is beautiful. The platform was made out of steel grates, so you can look down and see how high you have walked. My son, who was six years old at the time, was nervous about the walk. He, was constantly made, he constantly made sure that he was only walking on the solid part of the platform. My three-year-old daughter, however, this is how she walked. She could not have been more excited. She ran on the steel grates. She bounced on it. She really made her brother very nervous. We all completed the walk, but our experience of the garden was quite different. <clears throat> I can relate with my son. I'm also nervous of heights. I'm generally a cautious person and I appreciate structures a framework to work with or to live by. A solid path to walk on makes me feel secure and comfortable. So growing up, I had no problems with rules and boundaries. I go where I need to go. I come home when I should come home. Having been brought up in a religious setting, I was taught obedience, honor, and discipline. There are the right ways of doing things and I tried not to mess up. The right schools, the right, out, the right outfit, the right major to choose, uh, the right friends and relationships, the right beliefs and morals if I were to stay on God's path and be blessed. However, as life become more complex, these right ways are no longer helpful. The doctrines and the rules are not fulfilling in fact, many are downright problematic. When you were told that unless someone was baptized and proclaimed Jesus as their savior, they would be eternally punished. This is terrifying. I remember not being able to sleep after my uncle passed away. He was not a Christian and I was fearful for him. Or if you are told that the way you identify and feel about yourself, the way you love others, is unbiblical and has eternal consequences, this can be traumatic. We already know that people have been leaving churches or religion for some time now. And our dogmatic obsession is probably one of the reasons why they left. Paul Aju, a political scientist from Denison University, estimated that just over 20% of American evangelicals, or 8 million people, 
left the church between 2016 and 2020. When people realized that the trajectory of their church, including the growing support for a leader at the time, whose values diverged far from their view of God, they decided to leave their churches. As people begin to unaffiliate themselves with religion, and as I deconstruct my own preconceived beliefs, a question keeps coming back. If I don't believe this, what do I believe? If everything is permissible, then how do I live and make my choices? As I pondered this question, the story of the Israelites in the book of Samuel gave me a lot of food for thought. After a series of judges, after being led by leaders after leaders, who seemed to be great in the beginning, but later on proved to be corrupted, even violent, the Israelites decided that they wanted a king now. 1 Samuel 8, verse 5 through 9. But when they said, Give us a king to lead us, this displeased Samuel. So he prayed to the Lord, and the Lord told him, Listen to all that the people are saying to you. It's not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me as their king, as they have done from the day I brought them out, out of Egypt until this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so they are doing to you. Now listen to them, but warn them solemnly and let them know what the king who will reign over them will claim as his rights. But the people refused to listen to Samuel. No, they said, we want a king over us. Then we will be like all the other nations, with a king to lead us and to go out before us and fight our battles. Then Samuel heard all that the people said. He repeated before the Lord. The Lord answered, listen to them and give them a king. As a Christian, I spend a lot of time trying to hear from God, trying to understand what His plan is for me, trying to read signs about what I need to do next in my life. It would be nice if I have a Samuel who could interpret things for me in plain words. The Israelites had Samuel and he made them aware that a king was not God's preferred way, that there would be consequences to their choices. But they did not listen. About this time tomorrow, I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin, anoint him ruler over my people Israel. He will deliver them from the hand of the Philistines. I've looked on my people, for their cry has reached me. God seemed sympathetic to the Israelites, even though God felt rejected. God was not offended. God even handpicked the king for them. Getting back to my own story, when my uncle passed away, I prayed fervently for him. I remembered pleading to God, and after some time, I sensed an overwhelming peace that seemed to say that my kind and sweet uncle is exactly where he deserves to be. So this makes me think that God can accommodate us. There are rooms for our desires and wills in God's story. 
even if they seem contradictory or rejecting of God's ways. God loves us unconditionally. There was a Benjamite, a man of standing, whose name was Kish, son of Abiel. Kish had a son named Saul, as handsome a young man as could be found anywhere in Israel. And he was a head taller than anyone else. Now the donkeys belonging to Saul's father, Kish, were lost, and Kish said to his son Saul, Take one of the servants with you and go and look for the donkeys. So he passed through the hill country of Ephraim, the area around Shalisha, the district of Shalim, the territory of Benjamin, but the donkeys were nowhere to be found. When they reached the district of Ziph, Saul said to the servant who was with him, Come, let's go back or my father will stop thinking about the donkeys and start worrying about us. But the servant replied, Look, in this town, there is a man of God. He is highly respected and everything he says comes true. Let's go there now. Perhaps he will tell us what way to take. Saul said to his servant, If we go, what can we give to the man? The food in our sacks is gone, and we have no gift to take to the man of God. What do we have? The servant answered him again. Look, he said, I have a quarter of shekel of, a, of silver. I will give it to the man of God so that he will tell us what way to take. Good, Saul said to his servant. Come, let's go. As they were going up to the hill to the town, they met some young women coming out to draw water. And they asked them, Is the seer here? He is. He is, they answered. He is ahead of you. Hurry now. He has just come to our town today. Go up now. You should find him about this time. They went up to the town, and as they were entering it, there was Samuel coming toward them on his way up to the high place. When Samuel caught sight of Saul, the Lord said to him, This is the man I spoke to you about. He will govern my people. In this story, Saul was seemingly moving into God's appointed role quite effortlessly. Saul probably never even thought of becoming a king or a ruler over all of God's people. Saul did not have the right background. He did not come from the right family or tribe. Benjamite was the smallest tribe of Israel, and it was said that Saul's clan was the least of all clans of Benjamite. Saul was not trained for this role either. He was simply led into the middle of God's story by a donkey. There are so many ways where things could have gone wrong. Saul could have better things to do that day or refused to go with the servant. They could have decided to give up the effort as soon as their food was gone. Saul could have easily dismissed the servant's idea. After all, it sounds like a silly idea to me. I'm sure the prophet of God has more important matters to take care of than my lost donkey. And for Saul to arrive on the exact day and time that Samuel was in town, I mean, all the planets are lining up for Saul. Saul becoming a king 
does not require much from him. It does not require Saul to know and do the right thing. This tells us that God does not just make rooms for us. God has ways to bring us into his story. God is intentional. I don't know what God's specific plan for you is. I don't even know what is next for me. But I have less anxiety about possibly messing up God's plans. I no longer feel that there's a specific path or a narrow road that I have to take in order to receive God's approval and blessings. I can look up more and enjoy the garden and the blessings that God has already provided for me. When the Bible says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. It does not mean that outside this plan, I would have no future and no hope. The verse simply means that God guides me. God has my best interest. I had been focusing on the wrong thing. I had been focusing on what the verse does not say instead of what it says. Deconstruction of our beliefs take, takes a lot of time and processing, but I have found some things that are helpful. Make positive assumption that God is with you and is for you. At River Kids, we ask the children to use their imagination to place themselves in God's story, to notice if Jesus is around you, and to imagine what he may say to you. Now, some may say, oh, you're making things up. Well, just like God, things that really matter to us are invisible and can only be recognized by our mind. So imagination is a tool, and it's a great one. We do not want to infer quickly that because it is invisible, it is false. After all, making positive assumption is way more helpful than negativity. Our choice matters. Our choice determines our experience. We understand that there are consequences to action. So even if we do not have clarity about what's next for us, we know what is kind and loving, what is harmful to ourselves and others, what it feels like to be included or excluded, and we have some sense of what is true. The Bible says that by loving unconditionally, I would have fulfilled all the requirements of the rules there is a lot of room in that. So make choices that bring you life and possibilities, that help you and others. Saul moved into the middle of God's stories, story because of small choices. He chose to help his father look for the donkeys. He chose to not give up so quickly. He chose to listen to the servant's idea. Saul's flexibility and openness allow God's story to play out in his life. Live in connections. Deconstruction of our beliefs can be unnerving. Different people experience things in different ways, and we may arrive in different places spiritually. But having a community gives us perspective 
and help us feel connected to something that is larger than ourselves. In the last 12 years that I've been at the river, I've met many people, listened to many stories and shared many experiences that helped me to be where I am today. So it is my hope that everyone find their people too and experience more connection in their life. As always, at the end of the sermon, I would like to leave you with a couple of wondering questions. I wonder how you feel about your life. Are you worried? Are you excited? Are you confused? I wonder what God might say about these feelings, about your concerns, about your dreams and hopes. I hope you enjoyed today's message. I would love to con continue to chat with you, so please join me in the discussion room after the service. Have a great Sunday.